Pastor Dominic Grimaldi here with Street Talk Theology, where we take theology and we bring it to the streets. God bless everybody. Good to be on. I'm flying solo today. Wanted to get a uh, a, a resurrection um, talking, uh, kind of a quasi-sermon, if I, if I may. Uh, this will probably air the day before Resurrection Sunday. Uh, which would be Saturday, obviously, and then I think it would air also on Sunday night. So it's an honor to be here with you. Again, I'm flying solo. Praise the Lord. Uh, Pastor Grimaldi at Gmail. Uh, any questions, any concerns? Um, I, and, I, and I like flying solo uh, once in a while. I, I Of course, I uh, miss Ashuk and Pastor Michael, but, but I wanted to get this out for, uh, like I said, Resurrection Sunday. Again, wishing you and, and all uh, Resurrection Sunday. And I always say this, um, you know, if you guys are new in the area, you don't have a church family, you can visit us at Desert Sky Baptist Church. We are reformed in our thinking. Uh, we adhere strictly to the scriptures. We don't uh, play around with the scriptures. We teach Christ and him crucified uh, and resurrected, obviously. And we basically uh, teach Resurrection Sunday every Sunday. But I do want to uh, just bring to light how important the resurrection is. Now, I, um, like I said, most people listen to uh, this broadcast probably are Christians. And, and, and if you're not and you're listening, uh, please listen. And even for Christians, um, I want to talk to you about how important the resurrection is. It's, it's of extreme importance, not because I say it. It's because what the word of God says. Now, it, you may know this, and I'm not trying to say something you don't know uh, by no means. But if you don't, the first uh, writing on the resurrection uh, was written by Paul to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You know, this writing was what scholars, most scholars believe it was written in the 50s, early 50s, written before the Gospels came into, uh, came into play. And I want you to, as I read the text, I want you to see, see, I want you and myself, me first, you second, to see the importance that Paul says about the resurrection. Not secondary issue not it is of first importance first importance because without the resurrection of jesus christ you are still i am still dead in my sins and then paul is going to uh proclaim that he's going to expound on that and i think that we got to have a clear view on a resurrected christ not a christ that People will say, well, the resurrection is not important and we just got to follow the, the teachings of Christ and, you know, have have good moral standards. No, 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 no. It's the resurrection of Christ that Christianity is basically born on. Without the resurrection, Paul says we're still dead in our sins. So let me read from 1 Corinthians 15 again. 1 Corinthians 15 is the first teaching on the resurrection. It was before the Gospels um, were written. And, and notice 
when there was a debate or dispute. Now, and here's the thing you have to understand. When we read the New Testament letters, we're only reading one side of the letter. We don't have the other letter. I don't, we don't really know what information Paul was receiving concerning the resurrection. But obviously, there were some people in the Corinthian church that were basically saying, well, maybe the resurrection's not that important. And that's the whole colloquy. That's the whole diatribe in 1 Corinthians 15. Now, there's 58 verses in 1 Corinthians 15. So so really, and I'm not going to be able to read them all here, but I'll, I'll try to read the first section. But you need to read this. And you got to see and will understand how important the doctrine of the resurrection is. Now, now Paul starts off his, his, his diatribe here in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, now I make known to you, brothers, the gospel which I proclaimed is good news to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which also you are saved. If, notice the word if, the conjunction here, if you hold fast the word which I proclaimed to you is good news, unless you believed for nothing. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I receive, what I also received that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, and then he appeared to more than five hundred brothers at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then all the apostles, and last of all, as one untimely born, he appeared to me also. So remember, Paul didn't see a vision of Christ. He met the resurrected Christ on the Damascus road. For I am the least of the apostles, not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me did not prove in vain, but I labored even more than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Whether then it was I or they, we preach so you believe. Now, if Christ is preached that he had been raised from the dead, how does some among you say that there's no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Your faith is also in vain. Moreover, we are found to be false witnesses of God because we bore witness against God that he raised Christ, whom he did, whom he did not raise. In fact, if the dead are not raised, for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faithless, your faith is worthless and you are still in your sins, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished, and we have hoped in Christ for this life. So if we have hoped in Christ for this life only, we are all men most to be pitied. I mean, think about the, the, the importance of the resurrection here. If Christ is not resurrected, we are to be pitied. We are still dead in our sins. This is a serious, serious doctrine the doctrine of the resurrection. And Paul says this is not secondary. It's not tertiary. It's of first importance, the doctrine 
of the resurrection. And, and again, as we approach Resurrection Sunday, we want to be thankful that we have a, we, not only do we have, but we serve a resurrected Christ. We serve a resurrected Christ that's sitting on the right hand of the Father right now in, seat, in interceding for his people. What a picture of grace. What a picture. We have a resurrected Christ, not because he wanted to show that I'm God of very God for which he is. But he resurrected, showing that all that are in Christ have been forgiven. And our faith is not in vain. I want you to think about this. There is no way as sinners that we can stand before a holy God. No. But you know who stands for us? Christ. He stands in our stead. God can't look upon us right now, but he looks upon Christ in our stead. A resurrected Christ interceding for the saints at the right hand of the Father right now. So let us look at, in, 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 in kind of closing out this, this resurrection, uh, doctrine of resurrection, let us look at um, when Peter and John ran to the empty tomb. And, and this is important because you'll notice that the there's some eyewitness stuff going on here. Now, at that time, the apostles just believed that the body was stolen probably or wasn't there. But let me read the colloquy. Let me read the, the inspired text. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark, and she's seen the stone already taken away from the tomb. This is John, uh, uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 2 now. So she ran and came to Simon Peter, to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they've taken away the Lord out of the tomb. We do not, do not know where they have laid him. So Peter and the other disciple went forth, and they were going to the tomb, and the two running together, and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. And stooping and looking, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, and he did not go in. And so Simon Peter also came, following him, entered the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the face cloth, very important, and the face cloth which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but folded up in a place by itself. So the other disciple who had come to the tomb, then also entered, and he saw and believed. For he, as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. So the disciples went away where they were staying. Now what they believed was the body was stolen. Now there's a couple important factors here. There's an eyewitness testimony, because when you've seen writings in that time, they were not so descriptive as these writings are right here. A couple of things I want to bring to light. Notice when it says they came to the tomb they were stooping and looking. So this is eyewitness testimony. They were stooping and looking. Now, that doesn't bring nothing to the text as far as the resurrection, but it brings to the text that somebody was eyewitnessing this. The other thing that's really important, you have to understand, in those days, there were grave robbers. And the grave robbers would go in and steal the bodies, not for the bodies, but to take the wrappings. Because the linens that usually the bar bodies were buried in were, were, were expensive. 
So they would take the body and then strip the body of the linen wrappings and, and they would sell them or whatever they would do. Notice here, the linen wrappings is mentioned twice. They both saw the linen wrappings, right? And then the face cloth, which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but folded up neatly by itself. No grave robber would ever do this. This is an orderly resurrection. This is the God of very God that knew the culture that he lived in at that time. And he knew that they were grave robbers. So what our God did, our God of very God, the risen Savior, he took the time to actually fold the linen garment, showing that this was no ordinary grave robbery, but a resurrected Christ in Jesus. And, and these are these little tidbits that we see here. Now, again, again, we have to be careful here. It says the apostles believed, but had not yet believed according to the scriptures. That's why when you look at this in Paul, you notice what Paul is doing in the first account of the resurrection, in the first teaching of the resurrection, he says, according to the scriptures, according to the scriptures. And right now at this time, the, in the gospel of John, John and Peter did not understand the scriptures that he must rise from the dead. That's why it's so important when Paul, in his first teaching on the resurrection, says, according to the scriptures, you, my friend, when you open your word, you are reading from the inspired word of God. People say all the time, they say, well, I, I, I want to hear from Jesus. I want to hear Jesus. Open his Bible and read his word. You will be hearing Jesus. And the apostles speaking in the stead of Christ. Let's go on. Let's look at a couple of other things before I uh, wish you guys, obviously, a, 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 again, a benediction for a, a blessed resurrection. So this is um, Mary going to the tomb, Mary Magdalene. And something really important here, again, something important that we want to bring to light. Verse 11, 20th division of the Gospel of John, starting in verse 11, but Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And so she was crying. She stooped. And to look into the tomb, you kind of, you, 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 you got that already. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet where the body of Jesus had been laying. And they said to her, woman, why are you crying? And she said to them, because they have taken my Lord away. I do not know where they have laid him. When she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but did not know what was Jesus. And Jesus said to a woman, why are you crying? Whom are you seeking? Thinking him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned, and she said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. Go to my brothers 
and say to them, I ascend to my father and to your father, and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. Now, there's something really, really important in that text that sometimes we don't pick up on. Jesus says to Mary, stop clinging to me. Now, the reason that's in there, because you can't cling to a ghost. What Mary is doing is clinging to a real body. You understand why the description of the writer here? You understand the description of the writer here, I should say? That Mary is, you can't hold on to a, a ghost. You can't hold on to a spirit. This is the risen bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, our Savior. Mary was clinging to a real body. This is why Jesus says, stop clinging to me. I'm sure you appreciate and, and, and deserve deservedly so the worship. But that's there for a reason, as we're good readers of the text. And there's another thing that's interesting. It's not in this uh, account, but in another account, it could be in the Gospel of Mark, because uh, scholars say that that uh, uh, Mark, uh, Peter's account would be Mark. And I, uh, but, but also, we know that Peter denied Christ three times denied Christ three times. And then when Jesus rose, he had told Mary in another in, a, in, a, in another account, go tell Peter and the apostles. Now think about Peter, who had denied Christ three times, how he was feeling when the body wasn't there. And then he finds out that Jesus is resurrected, but then he finds out that Jesus wants Peter. Wants Peter. And you, we know that Jesus reinstates Peter. Peter denied him three times. And Jesus reinstates Peter. Feed my lambs, tend my sheep, shepherd my sheep. In, in John 21. We have a resurrected Christ. And if we don't believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are still dead in our sins. We are still dead in our sins. And this is an offense to the world. It's an offense. And this is why we have to stand firm in the faith. Because this is an offense again to the world that we serve a resurrected Christ sitting on the throne. And nothing is outside his purview. Nothing. He is in control of everything. He is a resurrected Christ. And again, he's in control of everything. You know, there's an interesting thing that I want to share. Share. I want to be careful here, though. I want to go to Matthew for a second. In just a couple of verses, when Jesus is proclaiming uh, to Jerusalem, um, concerning his obviously eventual um, crucifixion and resurrection. But Jesus in the 23rd chapter of, 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 of Matthew says something interesting. He says, just like anytime you see things repeated, words repeated, it's really important. Jesus is kind of uh, singing here a, 
a kind of a funeral dirge a little bit on Jerusalem. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to how often I wanted to gather your children together away uh, the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and and you did not want it. Behold, your house is being left to you desolate concerning 70 AD that the temple would be destroyed. For I say to you from now on, you will not see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now this, you got these, so you got this, this, this thing, Jesus says, how often I wanted to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you did not want it. Now I got a couple of minutes here. This is kind of a Jewish tradition, but, but it, it, it makes a strong point. It, so I want to I want to be careful, but I, I think there's a point here. In tradition, there was farm fires in 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 Palestine at that time, and when the fires happened, the hens the the hens would actually protect their young, right the, under their wings during these fires, right, and you would find these again. This is from uh, some Jewish history, some history we want to be careful, but 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 again, the the hen would protect her youth, right? As the fire would go, and you would find a blackened hen from the fire that would be dead, and the the chicks would be alive under the protection of the mother of the hen. And I look at that. And and it could very well be because there were farm fires and these things did happen, obviously. But if that's Jesus's point, think about this. Think about that message. Think about that message. That this Christ would die in the stead of his people and protect his people from the fires of hell. Now, like I said, I don't want to get too fanciful with the with the with the gospel here. That's not my style. But we hear that those things did happen. And if Jesus is actually meaning that, what a picture. What a picture of of, of Christ taken on the death for the protection of his people who otherwise would have died in their sin. What a picture of grace. What a picture of the resurrection. I remember I preached a sermon on this years ago. Um, and and, and again, I, I was very out, you know, front to the congregation saying this is, you know, what, you know, how hens and chicks and farm fires and things like that. And, and Jesus uses how a hen, you know, protects her chicks here. Right. And I said like this at the end of my sermon, I says, now, if baby hens could talk, they would probably be very sad that they had lost their mother, despite them being protected from the fire. But if they would see her again by some strange occurrence, then that relationship would take on a whole other meaning because they would appreciate all that was done in their behalf. So like these hens, we must abide in the shadow of his wings for he became sin who knew no sin, so that we become the righteousness of God. So now we can proclaim he has risen, and he has risen indeed. This is the gospel.
This is the risen Christ. This is the resurrected Christ who knew no sin, who became sin so that you can become the righteousness of Christ. We don't deserve salvation. We don't deserve this God of very God. He's a kind God. He's a loving God, but he will also, he's also going to bring wrath on the people that reject this resurrected God in Christ. Oh, brethren, oh, sister, and I, I you, you're if, if you get up early enough on Saturday morning before Resurrection Sunday, you are going to hear me proclaiming to you to repent and believe the gospel of the resurrected Christ who knew no sin again to become sin in your behalf, protecting you from the fires of hell like we made the analogy of the of the mother hen, so to speak. But he's so much more. He is God, a very God, who spoke this world into existence, secured this world and kept it. So his people can realize who he is. And if you're a Christian today, it is only because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. With that, may God bless you and keep you and shine his light upon you on this Resurrection Sunday. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen, Amen, and Amen.